When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan, Paulson. All right, when you talk about the commander's offense, obviously everything's going to revolve around the quarterback. Uh, as you've had a chance to review a little bit more this week, maybe, I don't know if you went back and watched some of training camp or, or what you did in terms of preparing for Heineke. You know, obviously they played him last year, uh, did Green Bay. Uh, so what do, you, what do you think this offense looks like this week? What are some of the game plan type of things that, that you think Scott Turner would be installing? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good question. Um, I think the big thing to me is that I would expect this offense to become a little bit more complex. And it's not like they were doing anything overly complex last year, but I went back and watched all of Taylor Heineke's key plays from last year. So that's interceptions, incomplete passes, um, and uh, turnover-worthy plays, all that kind of stuff. Touchdowns, big plays, all this stuff. And what I found was that the offense last year was much more diverse through the first five games of the season. And I think that is because of Taylor's comfort level with the offense and what he can get to. So I would expect Scott to open up the game plan a little bit compared to what we've seen the past couple of weeks. I think Taylor does really well in terms of, um, you know, this isn't his reputation, but last year I think he did some good things in terms of anticipating throws. I think in training camp you saw kind of a continued development of that anticipation, which is good. And I think this offense relies a lot on that. So I would expect to see a lot of deep in cuts versus their cover three. They play it. Uh, um, Green Bay plays an aggressive match cover three. They're very good at it. They run a little bit more quarters than I would uh, have thought, which is, you know, that four across the back there, but they're also playing a match philosophy there. Uh, you're going to need to hit some deep in cuts. And I know they that's one thing that has been missing from this offense with Carson. I know that's something Scott wants in the offense. And I know Taylor did a nice job with some of that stuff last year. Um, so that's what I, I would expect that, you know, something attacking the middle of the field, timing routes, um, I would expect them to kind of imp- implement some type of quarterback running game, probably not to be called five to seven times a game, probably more like a two to three times a game call that would allow them to get first downs, which I think is excellent. Um, but yeah, I think I, I would expect this offense to be a little bit more efficient this week. I think there's going to be more in. I think they're going to be able to execute it more effectively because when you look at training camp, when you look at OTAs, Taylor was not didn't have the high-end stuff that Carson did. But the down-to-down, play-to-play type stuff was was better. So I would expect this group to be a little bit more consistent. They might not win the game because I think Green Bay's defense is very, very good, um, despite what the media is kind of reporting at the moment. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But that's kind of what I expect from this offense and Taylor. Yeah. Uh, w- obviously, getting the ball to the playmakers has been a huge problem this year, specifically Terry. Uh, his target percentage uh, is down around 16%. It was about 25% last year 
with Heineke, how much do you expect them to try to get him the ball? And really the better question I think is like, in what ways does he get the ball more with Heineke than he had been with Wentz? Um, I think like the slants, slants that we talked about versus Dallas, I think that stuff's there. Obviously, like the, this is a little bit different coverage philosophy than Dallas, but Dallas runs a lot of cover three. They run it a little bit differently. It's a little bit less matchy. And so what I mean when I say matchy, like matchy is going to look like man. Like that's one thing when you're watching these cutups of Green Bay and watching the games of Green Bay's defense, they're in cover three, but it looks, it feels like man, but then you're like, oh, these guys are in zone, like these three players. And you can see kind of how they're passing stuff off. So I think understanding the difference in approach and how to kind of take advantage of that stuff is going to be really important for this group. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I would expect to see like slants. I mentioned the deep in cuts already. That's very good versus cover three, I think. And again, when you're playing an aggressive match coverage, it you have to kind of pull out some of your man-beating philosophy as a route runner, not as a play caller, but as a route runner. So, you know, we, we talk about the skill position guys. We talk about all they bring. This is going to be a week for us to see like how good this group has become. Is Jahan back? Um, you know, Curtis, how is he as a route runner? Terry, um, th- I think this is going to be a nice week to kind of test some of that stuff. And then obviously Cole, Armani, Logan Thomas, that whole group, Bates, if he's healthy, um, I think it'll be really nice to see how that how that progresses. Yeah, they've, they've got to establish Terry, and I think they know that. Um Ron was asked a question on how oh, the press conferences are all whacked out this week. So I think it was Tuesday um, about Terry and getting him the ball more. And his answer very much felt like he had gone into the offensive meeting room and been like, Hey, you, I know we've said like, Hey, let's get Terry the ball more. This is a demand. This is a directive. Figure out how to get him the ball um, because his targets are way down and you see how effective he is when he gets uh, when he gets the ball in his hands and, and especially in space, how good he is as a ball carrier. And, and I think probably some level, there's a little bit of frustration of not getting the ball to Curtis Morgan, and getting him more involved in the run game again. And um, obviously, as we've talked about at nauseum on the pod, if you have more plays, you can do all this stuff. So the offensive efficiency that should come with Taylor Heineke at the, at the helm uh, should help all of those things. The other interesting, like, or yeah, if you want to follow up on that real quick, and then I want to talk about another player usage thing that popped up last week. Yeah, so another interesting thing that I just was thinking about while you were talking in terms of efficiency, right, is um, there was a play that uh, against Philadelphia where they ran mesh early on and ended up being a sack. I think we talked about it on the Philly sack podcast, but Terry kind yeah. of comes open late on that play. The one thing I will say about Taylor from training camp is he understands that kind of nuance in this offense. Like there, It's really fun watching him behind the huddle because he, well, even while Carson's in or Sam's in, like you'll see him pointing to throws based on coverage before the quarterback is even to the top of their drop. So I think him being in the offense, like I said, for almost two years now, is going to be extremely advantageous for unlocking some of those concepts that we get frustrated with because teams are matching. But understanding the variation that Terry's running on that one against Philly or how to run the rail versus on mesh and how to get advantage, take advantage of that linebacker, those types of things I think are going to be really exciting to see if he can get that done because, yeah. again, that leads to more touches for Terry. That leads to more touches for the backs. And so, again, those are things we've been calling for. And I think you know while we might not be – enamored with the, how dynamic the Scott Turner offense is. There has been throws that have been missed right. in some of that minutia. So. Right. So the other part of being more efficient is obviously a good running game. How much do you expect to see the running game that we saw in the second half last week? Um, and, and did they unlock something there, the balance between Gibson 
and Robinson, where obviously in the first half they were extremely reliant on Robinson, and it was uh, it was not great, uh, and it felt like Gibson, one of their best weapons, was being ignored, and and the run game itself was not uh, was not very effective. Yeah, um, I, I mean, obviously you want to get Gibson more touches. You want like his, but you got to find his touches. It's it's really interesting. So I was listening to a lot of. Green Bay media this week, and they were like, you know, AJ Dillon's getting more touches. AJ, he's getting too many touches. Aaron Jones needs to get more touches. And I don't disagree with that as on a fundamental level, but I do think AJ Dillon helps set up um, Aaron Jones. And I think this offense needs to operate on a, on a similar principle. Like AJ Dillon is a very effective runner. I don't think he ever, like, at least when I was watching, he doesn't miss cuts. Like, he might not be fast to the hole. He's not as dynamic, but he is always getting to the right spot which helps kind of keep you, even versus badly blocked plays, keeps you relatively on schedule. And I think that's what Brian Robinson gives you. And Aaron Jones is not that – he's very – he's he's a, one of my – after watching him, he's got to be one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. Like, he is so fun to watch. He's explosive. He's fast. He's physical. All those things. But those explosive plays come off of the changeup that he brings to A.J. Dillon. And I think this offense can abide by a similar principle. I think they did a really nice job last week of saying – we these are these are Gibson's touches in the run game that we want to get them right. kind of game plan runs much like they used Tony Pollard last year in Dallas right mm-hmm. very specific game plan runs and I think that Brian Robinson keeps you on schedule he's going to average you that three and a half to four and a half yards per game it's never going to be overly flashy but he's not going to miss cuts and he's not he's not going to you know kind of get you behind. He will get you, what's blocked. Yeah, and and and, and elevate more. the group and elevate the group. Like I think that's the other thing. When you watch Robinson run, much like AJ Dillon, much like Zeke too, mm-hmm. he understands kind of how to ride the wave, where the cutback is, how to set up blocks, and that's very valuable, especially on first and second down. But when you have an opportunity to kind of hit that big play, hit that chunk play to Antonio Gibson, let's make sure you get that called. So I would like to see them maybe expand that package of five runs to maybe 10 runs this week and make sure they get those called. But again, if you're not executing at a high level, if you're not converting on third down, you don't get to those plays. So it's got to be kind of, uh, it, it's multi, again, it's, I'm going to say this word a lot on this podcast. It's multifactorial. Like, can you execute in the passing game on third down? So you can get those Gibson runs called and can uh, Robinson be effective on first and second down? Cause I will say, you know, even though this green Bay defense has given up a lot of yards, they've all been on, to my eye anyway, game plan specific runs. And what I mean by that is there's a 76-yard run in the Giants game when um, Saquon Barkley's at the Wildcat quarterback that really ups the average there that they hadn't really prepped for. Three three reverses, reverses against the Jets go for approximately 100 yards. So those kind of nuanced game plan runs, which are perfect for Gibson in terms of touch, have been huge the past couple of weeks against this defense. So making sure you have that in the bag, I think is important. When you see something like that on tape as an OC, are you like, we can do that too? Or they're going to be prepared for that? How, what's the next counter off of that in the back? Because like the reverse game to Terry was a part of the game plan against Chicago. Obviously, it's been a part of the game, uh, the game plan with Curtis. Uh, they've tried some of that stuff with Jahan, whether it's wide receiver screens, reverses, whatever. So like if you see that working, are you going yeah, we got them, or are you going, they're going to be ready for it next time. How do we take advantage of whatever their solution is so that we actually still you know, get that counter and mess them up? Yeah, so they ran one of the, one of the touchdowns to Brees Hall, the uh, first or second round running back at Iowa State. Um, he's kind of the home run guy for them in that offense. Yeah, he was awesome last week. Yeah, one of the runs they had was the same run that 
Gibson had like that big play against in the COVID year against Dallas where it's like it's um it's like a reverse but underneath. So you're in the gun and then the quarterback like looks like he's gonna run to the left and then hands it underneath to the back mm-hmm. and it ends up being a nice playoff, like a counter type action. So you're pulling yeah. the guard and stuff. Um so what I would say is yeah, let's run we have that play in the offense, obviously. Let's run that play, but how do we put some window dressing on it so they don't know that it's this play? You know, how do we get Gibson Gibson in that position? Do we line him up out wide and then jet motion him to a bunch and snap it while he's coming in so they can't kind of pre-snap say, oh, Gibson's lined up in the in the wing spot. So what are some ways you can kind of run that same play, put some window dressing on it, make sure that the defense doesn't um, you know, doesn't identify what this is, right? So that you can get it called. And I think that that's what that's what good offensive coordinators do. They take what you did or what you saw the week before and they say, all right, we want to run this play. How do we make sure that they don't see it? We do we shift to it? Do we motion to it? Do we get different personnel on the field? Um, and I think that's part of it. And so that's kind of going to be a fun thing if Scott can find a way to get that called and get that executed. Because I know they like that play quite a bit. It's just about making sure that the second you line up in that formation, the Jets aren't going, "Hey, watch the watch the yeah, watch hand the up. thing that killed us last <laughs> yeah, week. We're right. ready for it." Yeah. Um, additionally, the Jets also did some fun personnel stuff. Uh, I was watching the game back this morning. And uh, Kevin Burkhardt, the play-by-play guy, was like, they got both the running backs on the field split out. Interesting formation. And my yeah. ears perked up so high. I was like, oh, wow, you're allowed to do that, huh? Yeah. This is the thing we've been calling for. What can what can Washington and Turner uh, do with that information? Because a lot of times you do some of that stuff to see what the response is yeah. by a defense. And you have to, you do it in your first 15 scripted you know, to, to try to figure out, okay, how do we take advantage of it later in the game? Well, if you already have the information on something that is often more unique to you, but not obviously wholly unique, because a lot of teams don't have the personnel to have two running backs in the game split out. So if if something like that is a part of your game plan, you already know how the defense responds to it. What do you do with that information? So this is something I'm really glad you brought up because it's something we have not talked about at all on the podcast, but I think schematically and when you're game planning, it's extremely relevant. So one of the things that when you're cultivating a game plan, you look at what other teams have done, not because you want to copy what they're doing, but because you're trying to anticipate a defensive response. So how do they match in 21? How do they match in 22? How do they match in 13? How do they match in 11? How do they match in 11 if we put a tight end out here? And again, we can think of all these creative things, but oftentimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. So if I if I want to be in, you know, do all this crazy 21 with two backs in the backfield, McKissick and Gibson or whatever it is, I don't oftentimes know how the defenses respond. I can anticipate, oh, they're probably going to match an 11, but what coverage are they going to play? What front are they going to play? What personnel is going to match up with who? And Mm -hmm. those questions start adding up really quick if no one's done it. So, you know, we talked about, I think, one time, you know, getting in 13 personnel and exploding out. And I remember talking to coaches about that all the time. I was like, this would be great. And one of the things they always came back to is like, we don't know how the defense is going to respond. And we prefer to get to stuff where we know the solution and we get them in kind of in a bind. So now that the Jets have shown that ability, obviously, and that they've been in that personnel, you say, that's not a big unknown for us anymore. Obviously, some of the formations might not cross over or whatever, but at least you know the personnel they're going to be in and you probably know the front they're going to be in. And you're going to know how they're going to call the strength. And all that stuff helps you kind of grow confidence in saying, okay, well, we know how they're going to respond to this. Let's see if we can um, put ourselves in a good situation with our personnel, like you alluded to, to, to get that done. So I do think that that lends itself to kind of saying, hey, especially because it's recent, 
Let's get these two guys on the field together and see what happens.